Welcome back, boys and girls. I don't know how many girls watch this show. I'd imagine that our demographics are not very good um, from between the genders of male and female. Uh, anyways, welcome back to another episode of Teeing It Up. I'm your host, Connor. I'm here with my friend, as always, from the Rochester Hills of Michigan, Vladdy. What's going on, man? How's your Monday? Uh, not good, mo- or not good, not, not bad. Monday was fine. Worked from home, managed to get some stuff done around the house while my family's in Bulgaria. I mean, just the work from home thing's really nice. Haven't been in the office in a week and kind of dreading going back tomorrow. But other than that, I kind of realized I played uh, 54 holes of golf in 24 hours this weekend, starting Friday night, going into Saturday. I know you joined me. We had Aaron join me for 36 on Saturday specifically, but I played the day before that and I was exhausted on Sunday. Yeah, I can imagine. So we, like you said, we played 36 holes together on Saturday. Uh, Super win. It was planned. Uh, And the first round, well, I will say it was eight hours of golf because the first round was long, a long five hour round. The second round was an empty course and we went through in three hours. So uh, it wasn't even eight hours. But anyways, I got home. Uh, Our good friend Nick was at the Tigers game. So I flicked that on to kind of like have something to say to him text wise. Saw Akil Badu rob a home run. It was sick. Uh, They were, they ended up getting pounded. I was like, a lot to a little, I went to bed. It was, I watched like two innings. It's like eight 45. I try and like play on Twitter for a while, get the account buzz and get some feed, you know, on our socials as they say. Um, but I was asleep by nine o'clock and I, and I slept into like seven 45, which is late for me. Hey, speaking of the tigers, I didn't want to cut you off, but did you see the breaking news with them? They finally got in contact with pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez seven months into the season. And they finally, he answered their call. That's a win for Alavila. That's that's my GM going into next year. Yeah, so he, they did. It wasn't seven months. He's pitched this year. What do you mean he's pitched this year? He pitched like the first like month and a half of the season. He was only missing for like June and some of July. Oh, that's that's great. Okay, my bad. So, yeah, he didn't. They didn't just sign him and then he dis. He just completely disappeared. I thought he. I thought he never showed up. No, he's played about half the season. Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, he was not very good for someone who we signed for like 20 plus million. But yeah, he's back after a six week hiatus of not responding to phone calls. He apparently uh, is in a good enough state to join the club, um, which is surprising given the state of the club recently. Yeah, he'll, hey, listen, man, he's back. He'll be throwing. He'll get some rehab starts. He'll join us in September when we're 35 games below 500. That's the Tigers are back. The Tigers are back and rearing up for year eight of the rebuild. Um, <laughs> barring that Katie Mize and Matt Manning have like outstanding recoveries from Tommy John and can somehow pitch on day one of the opening day in 2023, uh, not which is not happening if you know the course of the Tigers. So, and even if they were nine, so, hey, listen, even if they somehow were back, we don't have bats. Um, I think we're, are we still on pace to have the worst offense in history? Or have we gotten a little bit better? It's gotten better. Uh, Baez got a little hot. Like it, it went from like atrociously bad to they went on that winning streak a couple weeks ago, and then they're three and nineteen since then. Right? Woo! Yeah, and the last two and a half weeks have just been awful. Yeah. Well, see, the one thing I saw, um, I was listening to, I was listening to some to some ninety seven on the ticket, and they said that no free in, ads. 
All right. Yeah, fair enough. But it, they said that in 45 of the 95 games this season, the Detroit Tigers have put up two runs or less. Yeah, that's not that's, winning baseball. No, it is not. And you know what? Nothing changes next year. Who's coming up? You can you can take all the pitchers you want. You know, things are going to change, in my opinion. You're going into no. year 10. No, you traded away your best prospect for Austin Meadows. Well, if you want to talk about someone that's had a rough go of it is Austin Meadows. Hot start to the season, played like whatever it was, three weeks. Then he got like pneumonia or an aid. No, I'm vertigo, 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 really bad vertigo. Missed a month, came back, got COVID, missed another two weeks, played like a week, and then he hurt his knee and has been out since. Yeah, no, it's so. Again, enough of this team. We weren't we weren't planning on doing this. I just kind of wanted to throw some jabs in it. Probably the worst team that I've ever seen, and we'll continue to see. But. I don't know. Let's let's get on to what we actually plan to talk about. Where do you want to start? Yeah, let's start in hockey. So obviously there's still some great free agents still available. I'm going to paint the picture here for what the biggest news over the weekend was. Um, so I'm going to start by saying you don't usually see superstars get traded for superstars in any major sport other than the NBA, where they're basically reality TV stars and they have home issues and immediately leave for new superstars. Because uh, superstars are the only way you win, in that league. and they're reality TV stars. Yeah. Anyways, the other three sports you do not see superstars, current superstars, get traded for other current superstars. We had that on Friday night. Okay, Matthew Kachuk, twenty-four-year-old phenom, had a hundred points last year. Uh, he's turning twenty-five in a couple months here. So young, heading into his prime here in the next couple of years as he heads up to his mid-20s, requested a trade from the Calgary Flames, kind of following Johnny Gaudreau, obviously leaving free agency for Columbus. Um, the team kind of not necessarily in shambles, but, you know, he's an American-born kid. His best friend that he's played his whole career with on the same line with is gone. Uh, connect the dots. He's an RFA this summer, uh, or was, and so he requested a trade. Um, some teams that were thrown out there were the, his hometown, St. Louis Blues, who his dad, Keith Kachuk, who is, if he's not a Hall of Famer, he will be soon, uh, played a good chunk of his career in St. Louis, the end of his career. He played a good chunk of it in Winnipeg. Um, I believe some other teams I saw were, in fact, the Florida Panthers. Basically, a lot of relevant teams. I even threw the hypothetical out to some people that the Red Wings should give up Tyler Bertuzzi, Philip Zadina, a prospect not named Simon Edvinson or Marco Casper, and a first-round pick for him, I would be completely fine. He's a legit top 15 to 20 player in the league, and he's only 24, turning 25. Um, but he got – if the price that he ended up going for, I would not have wanted the Red Wings to take. He went for Jonathan Huberto, who is also – I believe had 85, 90 points this year, is – if we're putting Kachuk in the top 12 to 20 players, Huberto is right there in the 12 to 20 best players in the league. He's 29, turning 30 before the season starts. He's about five years older, four and a half years older than Matthew Kachuk. So that's kind of where that comes in. Mackenzie Weger was also a part of the deal. Mackenzie Weger is the second best defenseman on the Panthers. He's a number one on a bad team and a very good number two on a good team, uh, like he was for the Panthers. 
a first round pick and then some guy I've never heard of whose name was like Schwint or something. Um, sorry, I, I don't get paid the big bucks to learn these all these guys' names. Well, no, I mean if, if you've never heard of the guy, I mean you I, you know enough about hockey where if you haven't heard of him, he's probably a non-factor. He's just yeah. Those, like hey, here's we'll sweeten the pot with this guy. Just take him off our hands. So you got a top twenty-five to thirty defenseman in the league, a top twenty forward, and a first round pick. Mind you, it's going to be a it's like lottery. Yeah it's a lottery protected and it's probably going to be a top bottom 10 pick in the first round anyways those three things for a young superstar to then thus take on the eight year at nine and a half million dollar extension huberto only makes six and a half he's kind of a late bloomer he's only really been the superstar in his prime as 26 to 29 years he's a ufa mckenzie Weger is on a very team friendly deal he's on a ufa so I'll start with what it, how it makes sense for the Panthers, what their what their um, goal was out of this trade, and I'll say say the asinine trade that it was at the end. For them, they're looking at two guys that they don't see they'll be able to sign at the end of next year, and they say they they see their window kind of as ongoing with the Barkovs, with you know Reinhardt and all these deals they've made the last couple of years their their window is net is this upcoming year but it's also you know the next two three years that they have somewhat of a window to still be relevant and they don't feel that Huberto or Uyghur they'll be able to keep in their minds after this year being UFAs obviously Huberto is going to get a bigger much bigger contract Uyghur's also going to get a much bigger contract they're right up against the cap prior to this deal so they're freeing up cap space to then what they what Kachuk that nine and a half is less than what Uyghur and Huberto would probably be making much less combined going into next year. So right now they're opening up cap space for them to extend guys and get talent that they feel that they can keep, you know, towards the end of their window, so to speak. So that's the justification there. They get a young, they get a younger superstar who can play who is already of Huberto's caliber that they feel can you know, in his late twenties can become an even greater player than Huberto that they can lock in long-term and still have, you know, free up available cash down the side between signing those two players. And the first round pick you're planning to be good anyways. So you don't think it's going to be that great of a pick anyways, whatever. The reality of this trade is you traded a, like I said, top 20 player in the league for two number one or number one defenseman and a number one forward. You don't see two superstars go for one superstar. It just doesn't make sense. I, I, as a team that's a winning team, I don't understand that you're in win now mode. I don't care about the window, you know, beyond this year or this upcoming year, beyond two years from now. Who cares about that? You need the best roster from year to year. Look at what the Lightning have done. They've gone year to year. They've given big deals and they've kept taking care of the guys they feel are the nucleus and they go year to year with the support staff. They go year to year building it based on the sports staff. And that's what I think the Panthers have failed to do here. And that now you're not taking care of your core long-term. You now said, okay, Matthew Kuchuk is our long-term, but in the meantime, we're going to get rid of two bigger, two big pieces of our core right now in order to get one piece of the core in the future. But it doesn't make sense to me. But didn't you mention that they might not have the cap space to bring both those guys back in the future? So Right, but I, I, I still don't like. I don't understand the two for one superstars. Like, I still think you. My point is, I think you play this year out anyways. Okay, like, you have a winning roster with them on your team. 
I think you're a better team with those two on your team than with just Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. With a roster that won the President's Trophy last year and is ready to win now, I don't see the getting worse this year to be good in years. And it just doesn't make sense to me for a team who has the goals of winning now. Do you think it's possible that maybe they believe they have the prospects in place to kind of, let's say you, you said you get rid of two number ones. Do you think there's enough guys on the second line, third line, fourth line to all push him up by one? And that, that right. for them is a way to dump cap, be able to, like you said, re-sign players later. And while they also do, like I said, believe in the people they have coming in or. So really, I, I don't too, know too much about their prospect pool. I'm assuming it's not the deepest just because they have been good the past two years. Um, one player who plays on the third line right now, I believe he was fourth or fifth in rookie voting, maybe maybe sixth, uh, is Lundell. He played on the third line for them throughout most of the playoffs. He's someone who I think you're looking at developing. He was a late first-round pick. I see him developing to maybe a second-line uh, center, winger, whatever, wherever they see him as a great two-way player. Uh, the way he, he was able to put up 40 points you know, playing third line on a good team. Mm-hmm. I think you're hoping he takes the next step, but it's still for a team that's winning now to go two for one on superstars. And just doesn't make sense for me um, in both their press conferences with Calgary, both guys said that they would be willing, you know, how, how true that is. I don't really know. You have to appease the fans for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how good they or sorry, I lost my train of thought that they'll sign long-term in Calgary is something they would consider. Who knows how true that is. Um, Huberto is a, uh, Mon- is a Quebec kid rumors that he'll sign with Montreal uh, because they're kind of window, you know, after this year with their young core, they'll be starting to build up and that he'll, he'll get to play out, you know, whatever good years he has left in his thirties there uh, with that young core kind of coming up and coming. Um, Uyghur, who knows he's due for a big payday. But if they both sign there, and the, now the rumor is the big free agent left is Nazem Kadri. Uh, I, I don't think he had the offers that he thought he was going to get. I don't think the numbers were there that he liked. And I think he's kind of looking at it now that he's trying to get something done with, to go back to Colorado and take maybe a team-friendly deal to try and, try and you know maybe win some more while he's still a very relevant first, second-line player who had 90 points last year. But he's been rumored now to Calgary. So if you bring him in in Calgary, I think, because Calgary has a ton of room to do this now, uh, losing Goudreau and now Goudreau. They're a better team playoff-wise. Their problem was put, they played a running-gun game against the Oilers in the second round. That's not going to win come playoff time. You do need veteran two-way players that are going to win in playoff time because it gets more physical, gets tougher. There's less space out there. There's less time. And Nazem Kadri is a guy that can help you. Jonathan Huberto is a guy that can help you. Mackenzie Weger, for a team that gave up that many goals to Edmonton in the second round, can help you on the back end. They're a better team, I think, in the play. Now, they don't have the firepower necessarily, especially without Goudreau, um, that they had the year prior. But I think they're a tougher team to play against the playoffs should they actually be able to sign Nassim Kotri. So now they are probably worse. Um, and you're looking at a team, say they don't get the Kotri deal done. You know, at the deadline, say they're middle of the pack, they can decide, hey, uh, Huberto and Uyghur can say, hey, like this isn't where I want to be long term and they can get assets for it and kind of start uh, over in a sense. So I I love the move for Calgary for someone. It's rare that you see such a return for a team that really has no leverage and it's a guy that has asked to be traded um, to get to the first Chuck already signed the contract extension. 
No, he no. It was a, it was the first signing trade in the history of the NHL. Okay, so I was gonna say because if he had a or trade and sign, trade and sign. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So that's kind of the outlook on that. That was the major news in hockey. Uh, Matthew Kachuk got the eight-year, nine and a half million dollar payday. Yep. Uh, he went to a better team. He got the best. The winners of this trade are basically everyone. Matthew Kachuk got the payday he wanted and went to a a, a better team. For a lot, I mean, the Eastern Conference is harder to win, but a better team. And Calgary got two superstars out of it. Um, and really, the ball is in their court on whether they want to continue to be a successful franchise here in the next couple of years or if they do kind of want to take the steps and start to uh, reformulate a roster. That can, so. um, where, do you, where do we want to go next? I think we got some basketball stuff, some football. Where do you, where do you want to go with it? Oh, let's, go to, let's get in the NBA. All right. Uh, the reality TV stars, as Connor calls them. Exactly. It's a reality show, and I think this news is exactly what you would see on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I mean, I, I guess. Um, that's, that's fair. Uh, so, the, the, I guess the, the, the big news of the offseason was Kevin Durant kind of requesting a trade from Brooklyn on a contract that – or a contract extension that hasn't even started yet, which is kind of entertaining. But mm. – um, yeah, and so it's just, again, it's the ongoing KD saga. I, I believe this was the first kind of official offer, at least even reported offer, that was thrown out there. Um, this was the Boston Celtics offering, I believe it was Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick for KD. Um, the Nets apparently countered what they wanted to add Marcus Smart and more picks to it. Um I don't know. I, I just think that it's one of those un- unfortunate things where the Rudy Gobert trade kind of broke the market. Right. Um, you, you would. I mean, the the Timberwolves gave up four or five picks plus players, and obviously, once the market is set, no one's going to deviate from that. So, I believe that's what's kind of holding up this KD deal. Um, I mean, you had you had a, a lot of teams earlier on thrown around. You had the Suns thrown around, the Heat were thrown around, even Toronto was possibly mentioned, Golden State was possibly mentioned, but none of them really. I, I think it's seriously inquired. Maybe it's just internal discussions. Um, Every relevant team. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, when you have a Kevin Durant out there, it makes sense to at least think about it. Like, but obviously, why should tell me why the Pistons shouldn't do it? Shouldn't? Yeah, you're not there yet. If if oh my, you're you're never going to be there without a superstar. Okay, but like it, yes, but I would put it this way: if if you were told that Kevin Durant's 34 right now. 34 is not in your prime. Oh, okay. I didn't know he was that old. I thought he was like 30. No. Kevin Durant's been in the league since like 08. He played. That's crazy. He played for the Supersonics. I know. It's so So, crazy. I think of him as like the age after LeBron and realistically he's what, four years younger? Yeah. Years younger. Yeah. So Kevin Durant's 34. And the other thing about Kevin Durant. That makes more sense. And the other thing that scares me about Kevin Durant is you never know how long he's going to want to be there. I mean, he put this Brooklyn thing together. He found out Kyrie Irving was a psychopath. He's like, I'm out, like, or I want out. So I just look at it like I wouldn't be comfortable giving up the farm. So, like, for Boston, I think it makes a little bit more sense because you were right there. And the other thing I do think, though, is I think the, the Celtics kind of had – I don't want to call it a fluke run, but I think their run was – guided by the fact that Chris Middleton was dead. Like, if you look at it, Giannis took him to seven games without his second-best player. If Middleton's not hurt, the Celtics' playoff run probably ends in the second round. 
And they play a, a team that was like, yeah. for all intents and purposes. And it now. still took them seven and they still took them seven yeah. games. So I think this Boston run was a little bit premature. So it like when you're a team like Boston, though it's at that second round, if you can get him like if you gave up that offer the or if you gave up that thing of Jalen Brown, Derek White in the pick, I would probably be comfortable with it, given the assurances that I know Kevin Durant isn't gonna ditch town after one year of the Boston fans getting on him for playing bad. And I don't know that he wouldn't do that. So I I don't I personally think the best thing for Kevin Durant is find a way and like maybe this is Brooklyn Nets ownership as a whole find a way to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back to bought being bought in and figure out what you actually have because this first year of all of them Kyrie wasn't allowed to play half of the games because of the vaccine mandate James Harden you shipped out and you brought back Ben Simmons he's never even played for you yet Mm. so I would say find a way to get those guys bought back in and give it a run with that I think that's I think that's best case for all parties involved, but I don't know. How, I guess I've, you got something to add. I've kind of been talking a lot. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily see enough if I'm the if I'm the Nets that that hypothetical with Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first. I I wouldn't do that. Oh, and absolutely. That's that's that, not. I don't think that's, that's not enough. a good return. That's why they countered back with more first round picks. Marcus, and Marcus Smart. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, like from Boston's perspective, I I would feel comfortable offering that if I knew that he wasn't going to quit on my team, and I don't. So, I I think it's it's an interesting. I don't know. Situation. It, it's a team that makes sense for me, to be honest. If if there's someone, I just think it's so funny that like they went in and got swept by them and Kyrie Irving obviously had the ugly exit there. And that was a whole fiasco. And yep. then now we're, we're just going to go reality TV show and join that team now. And we're just going to join another team that was already. Okay. But, okay. But you say join that you. team, like Kevin Durant's making that choice by himself. He doesn't have a no trade clause. So it's not like he can choose where he wants to go. It's the Brooklyn Nets doing what's best for their organization. And if Boston's the only team offering something for him, he doesn't want to be in Brooklyn. You have to take that. This isn't like LeBron James taking his talents to South Beach on an ESPN special. Which is uh, honestly, can we talk about that? He, he had all these like kids that he built schools for all around the area come in for his uh, stupid ESPN press conference, (laughs) all for him to just go, Hey, I'm going down to Miami. I'm never coming back to this cold city except in four years from now. Well, he didn't. I don't think he necessarily said he's never coming back. He just. No, no, no. I'm joking. Okay. I don't think he said that. I I think LeBron is just. uh, Just one of the least likable. What? He's a rare breed of someone who has like a, such a like. Stable life. Humbling upbringing and like no scandals and pretty like clean background and yet you, he is still one of the least likable players i just no i look at it lebron james the athlete i know what you're saying there's some there's some issues there it's a lot of complaining it's a lot of that but lebron james off the court is incredible what he's done for akron what he continues to do for like you said the schools that he makes the grants they give out helping certain kids get helping kids get the uh, chances they might not have without him it's amazing but then you're right when you turn around and you start complaining about the load management, complaining about your team that you put together, running his, left, right, and center. His, re- his, his recent comments. Which ones were those? The Brittany Griner ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just one of those where 
it's funny how yeah i mean i don't know let's yeah he's he he's very give and take i guess he, i guess that's kind of a good way that i look at it let's move on to a real league the nfl <laughs> its first real news in a while uh kyler murray got an extension from his club the arizona cardinals it's 5 years 230 million the AA via that is just under $50 million. It makes him, I believe, the highest paid quarterback to only Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's the second highest paid AAV player in the NFL right now. Yes, to only Aaron Rodgers. Thoughts on the extension? So, I mean, obviously, you know, I love Kyler Murray. I love me some midget, but. Um, Small person. And again, and I do think that like he's a game changer. He does things that really only Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson can do with his in the first eight games of the season. Yep. I mean, and however, I will say, is he worth being the second highest AV player in the league? No, I'm not delusional. However, I also do understand how the sport works. If you have a guy, you have to pay your guy like a guy. And perfect example is Matt Stafford in 2017. He sat there on a terrible team, but he's the only reason they were somewhat relevant. And so he had to become the highest paid quarterback in the league at the time. And it's just, that's just how the market works. That every guy's going to get a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. It's just, it's, I just think, would you rather be the Jacksonville Jaguars going through a QB carousel for a decade and a half? Or would you rather get a guy who's proven he can win some games and then say, maybe I can figure something out in the middle of the first round. Maybe I can get lucky with a nice pick on defense. Maybe I find a stud receiver in the second or third round and you get extra, you get, you get, you get your complimentary pieces through that. I just think for a guy that is uh, not proven that he could win, he's been, has a horrible hit playoffs track. He's only been good in the first eight games of the season. Again, horrible in the playoffs. I don't know if I said that. Horrible, capital horrible. I I just don't see how you can pay a guy, free him up for another contract, that kind of money. Okay, Connor. So you're telling it really me hinders you from ever being good with him. Okay, but it's like Kirk Cousins. Yes, but it's better to be that than to be the team that doesn't have anybody that's just sitting around going, well, would you rather be winning? But they didn't have to extend him this year is my point. I mean, you kind of had to because next year he would have been on his fifth-year option. But pay pay him then. I mean, at that point, you're running the risk that he gets – like, are you trying to say that he would have had a Baker Mayfield year and you could have got him for 15 a year? At that point, he's not going to sign a long-term deal. Like, you have a guy, you have to pay your guy. Yeah, I don't know if you have to pay him that much. I just don't think there's anyone there was anyone else out there willing to pay that much to where you take your chances and sign him next that's year. Not how, but that's not how it works. Like you, is any do you think there's actually receivers worth twenty eight million dollars a year? No, they're receivers. No. They touch the ball twice a game. But guess what? The Jags threw twenty million at Christian Kirk and looked like psychopaths. But you know what they did? They started breaking teams. Now every receiver's like, oh, look, look what this man's getting. I want some of that, uh, plus some, because I'm much better than Christian Kirk. So if that's, I, just, that's just how the game works. Right. You're gonna get more Every year you're going to get more than the next guy. So, and I understand that the market, but like talking from a Cardinal standpoint, like, I, like it severely hinders what you're able to do with a guy that is not an elite quarterback and has proven he's not an elite quarterback. 
he's a good quarterback. Yeah, and no, and you can win with good quarterbacks. Yeah, you can. Not when they're making forty six million against the cap. I agree. Like you, like you said, most of the guy, most of the teams that win, or most of the teams that compete, are with QBs on either their rookie deal or Tom Brady on a team friendly deal. That's usually how it wins. Or the or they're a superstar. Or they are. Or they are the superstar, like Mahomes. Yeah, but Mahomes was also on a rookie deal. They were allowed to do whatever exactly. they wanted. Exactly. And since that, made a Super I, Bowl. I, I think the Chiefs are going to take a, a kind of a big step back, to be honest. But that, I'll say that for another time. But um, no, it just I, I just leave it at you either you have your guy and you pay your guy what the market says you have to pay him, or else you're back t- drafting at the top of the order every two years, hoping for something. Right. It's, and it's an unfortunate result of Deshaun Watson getting just the most absurd contract ever. Taking well, you know, that's the other thing is they had to. It, it's just it is what it is. It's you. You maybe you you talk about the NBA players being reality TV stars and saying, "Oh, it's all about me." Maybe the maybe the quarterbacks or every NFL players the exact same way. He tells his agent, "Listen, I saw him get that. I want that plus one because that's just how it works." Yeah. It helps so, when your agent is also the head coach's agent. That yeah, I mean, did you see the uh, the one thing I will say was kind of funny? Did you see his uh, film study rule? Yeah, I just <laughs> saw that. Yeah, they want yeah this one. The Arizona Cardinals are requiring uh, he has to spend four hours of independent, like undistracted study per week on game film. So, do you think that clause is built in because he doesn't watch film, or because they don't trust him to watch film? And so, I because think, he has that contract, I think there's a. I mean, you there's got to be something to it because you don't put that kind of contract in if he's Tom Brady and he's cerebrally always looking at how he can get better. Like you, you would never even dream of that if he didn't put it in your mind. So, I think part of that is there. I also do think part of that might just be like he's always been a little bit more of a loose personality where they probably sat there and said, I don't I don't see how committed he is, but like how laser folks he is, how like, again, how cerebral he right, dialed he's in. always got the baseball thing in the back in the back of someone's head, even though it's 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 out of the pot, it's not a possibility. I, I, I think that I think that baseball thing, like the the comparison between baseball and football, and like I, I don't even think that's an argument anymore. Well, no, it's not an argument anymore, but I'm saying in the past. Like no, the- but I'm not even saying for Kyler specifically. I'm saying for every athlete that is a dual sport between baseball and football, I don't understand why you take baseball. Uh, if you're a quarterback, yeah. If I'm a running back, I'm going to play baseball. I mean, why, why, would you but- play a, why would you play a sport with less service time? But that's also okay. But in baseball, your chances of getting off your rookie deal are so much smaller. In, fo- in ba- football, yes. What are the odds you even make the majors in baseball? You're going to be spending six years driving through towns like Fenton, Michigan, and Dayton, Ohio, before that's before they even dream of bringing you up to the big leagues. Well, we're talking about like a t- I'm talking about someone that's a top ten pick in both. A top 10 pick, even in baseball, is still above a 50% chance of it. Maybe. I mean, okay, that's fair, but then you're only going to – I mean, I guess for a running back, it's maybe a little bit different, but 
you're you still have to wait 10 years to get your second contract because the club's going to play with the arbitration rules and in for, for for two of your rookie years you're gonna you're gonna have three rookie years because they're gonna wait for 10 days to go by till that stupid rule goes and they're like oh look at that he's he's still got three years left on his deal. The service time yeah which is speaking of we talked about Juan Soto um last episode the nationals are asking for four to five meet prospects with at least two of them having minimal MLB service time for it for Juan Soto at the trade deadline. Yes. I mean, insane. It, it's, it, it's crazy. I don't know. I just think, I think that there, there's just, there's, there's a lot to it. I don't know. Um, we'll you, want, I mean, you want to go on to make a list? Let, let's go. Let's go on to our list. You know, so it's a very slow time in sports. It's no, it's, it's no time. It's, or it's no, it's no hiding it. Like we're sitting here talking about hypothetical trades and contracts because there's no actual news. There's no actual games going on and baseball is completely irrelevant. So do you want to go with, do you want to go with the fun one first? Do you want to go with the actual sports related one first? Um, let's do the sports one first. I, I, I like that. I, I say we end on a little goofy note. Top five moments in sports history. That's what we're doing today. That's our makeup. It's not oh, a makeup. I thought, okay, I, I might have gone about this a different way. I thought it was top five most memorable sports moments. I mean, because I, I uh, – For, I, like, you personally? Yeah, so I, I went through so – I, I just put five as, like, my most memorable – like, my most memorable. And, and then I have two that I wasn't born for and one that I don't really remember because we were really young. Yeah, so I mean, that's well, that that'll be interesting because I, I, all of mine are like most memorable for me and just like stuff that has like sentimental value to me. So, how, all right, well, I mean, I guess this will be entertaining. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna change mine because I can think of mine. Okay, um, but yeah, so other than that, I mean, if I'm trying to think of other sports news while you catch up, but. This is this is a terrible this is a terrible downtime. We might have to we might have to jump into like the the football recaps early. I mean, I don't know. Is it uh, doesn't, doesn't college football start up soon? Don't they start like last week of August? Yeah. So I mean, I guess that's one thing that's nice is a month from now we're gonna have some week one college football to watch. All right, I got mine. Wow, that really was fast. All right, well. All right, we want to start just five down to one. Yeah, so my number five is the pick up the flag in the, one of the Lions' only playoff games that they played in my life. Okay, uh, I have it sketched in sketched in my mind, Des Bryant running onto the field without a helmet on and going like, that, which also which also was a flag should have been a flag. penalty. Yeah, that should have been a penalty. That should have been after they picked up a blatant pass interference call. Uh, completely flipped the game on its heels. And it is the reason the Lions lost, I'll be honest, as a objective, not subjective fan. There you go. We always got to stay objective in this world, Gunner. So, Can't let emotions. That's my number five. All right. For, so for my number five, I went with, I, again, I tried to pick things that were like near and dear, close, whether it be favorite teams, local teams. So number five, I went with, this is kind of like the least close, was the 2018 Croatia World Cup run to the final. You know, Okay. My favorite player, Luka Modric. I mean, it was the little guy. So Croatia is a country of 4 million people. 
for reference, the state of Michigan is 10 million people. So you had a country half the size of Michigan make it to the World Cup final. You just, I mean, it was, I was in, the other thing that made it nice is I was in Bulgaria at the time. So there was a lot of like, kind of like, I don't, I don't want to call it Eastern European pride, but the entire country was rooting for Croatia within every game you had. You had them kind of, they were a good team, well-knit, they played, they were likable guys. It wasn't a bunch of divas. It wasn't like, it, it, they weren't hated at all. And they, they, they dominated their group stage. They played, P, they played two games in PKs and the knockouts in the round of 16 in the quarterfinals. And then this is what, I think this is what really drills into my head is they had a showdown against England in the semifinals. And I hate England. I mean, I hate them. They've, they've got that stupid media. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the blue wall in this state, in this country where no one can ever say anything bad about Michigan because they're the leaders in the best. You got it. You got the, the English media is the worst. Their players are completely overrated, overhyped and overpriced. It, uh, and the, and just, they beat them. They came back. So uh, England went up one nothing. Croatia came back and uh, scored to tie it. And then they won an extra time. Just shutting up that stupid country was so much fun for me. And then they played France in the final and kind of got steamrolled, albeit with some subjective calls that I can go into. But I'll save that for another time. That, so that- I, I actually didn't. You said that at first. And I was like, I've never even heard of that. And then you started to explain it, and I kind of remember, remember it. Yeah. Um, so my number four is the Malcolm Butler interception. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna change it. Okay. My number four is the helmet catch. Uh, oh, second yeah, you favorite got, well, you team. Got some New York roots in you, don't you? Yep. So my second. So I was pretty much kind of just. It was like we were in element, late elementary school at that point. So like. I was kind of just getting into actually following sports like that. And with my dad being a, a big Giants fan, that was very memorable for me because it was like the, one of the first Super Bowls that, or one of the only Super Bowls that my dad like really cared about. And then it was the imperfect season for the Patriots and that that was their 16-0 and um, all the way to the Super Bowl just for Eli Manning, the most average quarterback in the world to end their hopes and dreams. Yeah. Sorry, Tom Brady. You'd, you'd have enough in your career. Dude, Tom Brady might have like 15 rings if uh, Arch Man- or Ar- Archie Manning gave birth to, the, to girls instead of boys. If Eli didn't take those two away from him, if Peyton didn't have to beat him in the playoffs, like one out of like three tries, Tom Brady might have 15 rings. It's funny. He says the, uh, the Giants ones don't bother him as much. He said this of the Super Bowl losses. Mm-hmm. It's the Eagles one that haunts him the most. Interesting. Why? Because he was playing a backup. Because they just kind of, kind of. I don't know. That's that's interesting. Um. All right. Well, I'm gonna go to number five. Um. I'm gonna or my for number four. I'm gonna go with Michigan State Duke in 2019 in the Elite Eight. So that was. Or, I mean, I guess even maybe the season as a whole, the year before that, you had probably the most talented Michigan State team since, like, the national title in 79 with Magic. And the, the way that ended to Tom Izzo forgetting how to coach against the high school zone, playing Ben Carter without cartilage in his knees over Jaron Jackson. Like, you went from probably the worst exit in Michigan State history to bringing back most of your guys. Have Cassius Winston turned out to be one of the most likable Spartans ever. Xavier Tillman was incredibly likable. The team as a whole, Goins, McQuaid, 
and beating that stupid Duke media star. Izzo finally getting the better of Coach K in the tournament. I think that was at the time that would have been a like, second win over him in his career. And, I mean, it was just – it was amazing the way that game played out. I, I still remember, you know, we started off great. Duke went on a run, and there were – Duke went on a couple runs throughout the game, and it was one of those times where you think, oh, here comes Duke, and Michigan State's going to fold because it is that kind of Tier 1 program against the Tier 2 program but we stuck with it every time we, we made runs back. We, we punched back and Goins hitting that three. I just remember uh, leaving my, was, we had a bunch of people over at my dorm room to watch that game. And as soon as they kind of, as soon as Tillman threw that ball to, well, Winston and Winston started running the clock out, I was out the door. I was running to Cedar village. Um, we had a lot of fun, you know, lots of adult beverages were consumed that night. And then, Obviously, I got to go to that Final Four game against Texas Tech, so I also do think that um, adds to it, no matter how it ended. I was going to say, unfortunately, that had just a very undramatic ending and they got killed. Matt McCoy missing a practice session three is the only guy on his side of the court, and he, he clanked it. That's uh, so my number three, my list is ever-changing because I keep thinking of new things. No, that's fair. Uh, and I think I'm going to have to kick one. Uh, which one do I want to do? All right. I'm, I'm going to do trouble with the snap uh, as my third. That is, it's so sad. I had family friends in from New York a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really understand. And I, oh, I talked, oh, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the podcast is that they didn't, like, even know what tr- the trouble with the snap was because they're just so out of tune with college sports in general, which is so baffling to me because it is literally, like, you talk to anyone in, like, southeast Michigan, like we live in, and it's, like, that's, like, number one, number two burned memories in their brain from yep. the college sports was the – and it's sad, too, because I was a Michigan fan at the time. <laughs> We're still in high school as before I went to MSU. And I have this distinct memory of just, like, like my head just literally falling into my lap and just yeah. like my brother like running around in circles and my dad had to like hold him back. Cause he was just like, like literally just like I was about to kill him. Yeah. Um, I actually had, I had the trouble with the snap game as well as uh, number three. Um, that might be just the greatest and luckiest play in history. Um, it kept Michigan state marching to the college football playoff. Um you, like I said, I mentioned it earlier, we got to shut up the blue wall. That's always a fun time when people have yeah. to eat their words and all of the Harbaugh, the, the Harbaugh polishing and Michigan polishing kind of had to stop. The game itself was also pretty good. There was lots of key plays. I think I still remember that little trick play to Pendleton, the fullback, where he starts running down the sideline. And it's funny because he looks like, like one of those like fat toddlers as he's getting caught by the fat yeah. players. But he still went like 60 yards and almost scored. I mean, Michigan State never actually held a lead in that game. It was just – that's just one of the – that's just one of, like – like and like you said, uh, you remember where you were. So, at the time, we were – we that that was the, the fall that we just got back from Bulgaria. So, we weren't actually a different house than our own, actually, because we, we at least had other people. But I remember I was watching the game there by myself with my mom, and I'm sitting there and kind of pouting because I'm like, oh, it's a punt, game's over, this and that. And I remember I saw it. I saw him drop it, bobbling. I'm like, oh. I like popped up on the couch when I was next to me. And then I see Jalen watch Jackson catch it. And I'm like, oh, and he starts running. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm like a third base coach. I'm waving him on from my, yeah. I'm waving him on from the couch at home. And then you just hear. 
And he scores on the last play of the game. Yeah, and I, as soon as that happened, I looked around. They said no flags, and I was like, at that point, I was already out the door. I was running through the streets. It was actually pretty entertaining. I found a couple people that I went to school with, went to high school at the time, and we're all in the streets just running around screaming. It like it was amazing. That that's one of the one of the most entertaining times I've had. Uh, number two. Number two, I am going to go with the imperfect game, Armando Galarraga. Uh, I remember where I was for that distinctly. It's probably one of the most historic events in all of baseball that doesn't get talked about because it's not really a – if you look at the actual, like, box score of that game, you just see one hit, Tigers win 3-0. There's not much else to it. The whole backstory of Jim Joyce, like the next day, the whole ceremony, like he, he getting him getting yelled at on the field, and then him getting interviewed. I kicked it. I kicked the beep out of that call. I I took that game from that kid, and I blew it. And like him, Armando Galarraga's like grace, and like I, that's another call I could I could sink in. And he's yeah. Mario and Paolo when he, they were still it was Mario and Rod still. Yep. It's like oh, he's out. No, he's safe. What, did he bobble the ball? Did he bobble the ball? And then he, he just oh, and was then the the show. The yeah. But oh and then Rod Allen goes, Oh, Jim Joyce, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, I'll give Why that. is he safe? <laughs> Why is he safe? He's out. <laughs> Jim Joyce, <laughs> no. Why is he safe? Again, I'll give Jim Joyce credit. He sat up there the next day and he owned it. Yeah. Um they perp- they stuck him right behind home right the next <laughs> All right, okay, you can go call balls and strikes tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, no, it's just that he owned up to it, which was nice. It was one of those where, as terrible as that was, it's a 28-out perfect game, the only one in history, the only one that'll ever be a 28-out perfect game now that replays are a thing. And I, it, 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 that, that is sad. How badly do you think he was rooting for the batter after that call to get a hit? He was probably like, oh my God, please. Which I don't think that necessarily really it wouldn't have changed anything. But still, I like I would be like, okay, you can get the next guy out, really, dude. Like routine ground ball. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's tough. Um, wow. For my so for my number two, um, I went with um, this past year the Real Madrid Champions League run. So it's not just one individual moment; it was a collection of them. Um, Comebacks galore, uh, round of 16 against PSG, go down one nothing, go down 2-1 or 2 nothing in the second leg, and then score three goals on a group of mental midgets in, uh, in the span of 15 minutes, score two goals in 10 – or basically two goals in 10 seconds, which was amazing. Then you followed up with the Chelsea game where you play probably your best game of the season in the first leg, and then – in the away leg, you're down 3 nothing. You need a goal just to send it to extra time. You get it late on. You score an extra time to to beat Chelsea. You get to Man City. You play one of the more entertaining games that I've ever seen in the first leg against Man City. Then you go to the then you go to the, the return leg where you're down 4-3 and Man City scores first. You're down 5-3, and then you score two goals in the 90th and the 92nd minute to tie it. And then you go to extra time, you win there. And then the Liverpool game just – that – they're doubted the whole way. And I mentioned this earlier, you have the stupid English media just polishing the knobs of all the English teams that Real Madrid played all the time. 
you have them sitting there saying, oh, well, they can't keep doing that. This is luck. This is luck. Like, if you do it once, it's luck. When you do it the second time, what do you, and then you do it a third time, and then you do it a fourth time. It can't be luck at that point. That's just DNA, and that's the other team's folding like lawn chairs. I just, if you do it one after another after another, and you keep repeating it, and every time they're sitting in, you can hear the salt in the voices of those stupid people like talking like, oh, well, that's so lucky. That How do they keep doing that? And it, I loved every second of it. You know, obviously winning, you, you win the Champions League again. It, it was great. It was just, it was, it was, it was very nice. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. For your number one. Number one. 2006 ALCS, Leo Ordonez sends the Tigers to the World Series for the first time in years. I remember I was at a Plymouth Whalers OHL game when this happened, and they announced it over the live speaker. The Tigers are going to the World Series, and I can just I have chills even thinking about it. We were seven. It was really the first team I remember. It was Justin Verlander's rookie year. They were horrible the year before. They, they ended up getting swept in the World Series. But they had beaten the Yankees in the ALDS, and then they beat the Oakland A's. Mag- Placido Polanco with the, the hoodie on, just, like, doing, like, snowmans, like, jumping jacks around the bases. I could picture Maglio with his arm up right now. Yep. I have a picture. No, that's Osgood stopping. Uh, it's not up in this room. I have a picture of the of the ball going over the fence. I can just picture the left field fence. Just it, it's one of the more it's nostalgia. I was a huge baseball kid in history history baseball kid, and that's just the hometown moment for me. Yeah, um, that's nice. Was that the swing and a drive deep left field called? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's that, that's really good. I, I mean. I kind of completely forgot about that. I didn't really search too far back. I, I stayed actually incredibly recent. I think the oldest thing I had, I had was 2015 MSU, UMich game. But for my number one, I went with the Michigan State, Michigan football game in 2021. Um, and I think the thing that made that there is because I was there, obviously still had student tickets. Um, just being in that state. bias at all? What? You don't think that's recent recency bias? I would say it's recency bias, but I was but I was there. It's not like I watched okay. on TV. I'm you know I'm in the stadium. Uh, I was with there with some with, with friends. Um, I, I I'm sure there is some recency bias, but again, just I what put it over everything else is I was there. I heard how loud that stadium is. Like you know, cameras rarely do, or I guess cameras broadcasts rarely do justice on how loud stadiums get when it's like when when it pops off. And again, the, the chance, the the comeback itself, just the way that game played out was amazing. Um, I still thank Jim Harbaugh for being in, for being an idiot and a sissy when they scored that touchdown to go up by fifteen, and instead of going for two, they decided to kick it, which might be the stupidest thing ever if you look at it statistically. The difference between fifteen points and sixteen points is nothing, but the difference between fifteen or sixteen points and seventeen points in a game of football is a whole possession. That's probably 10 minutes a clock. So, and then, but believe it or not, I think Kenneth Walker just ran in his sixth touchdown of the game. If I, if I, if I can hear correctly from my house in Rochester, I think I hear the roar. Um, and I, and the, the, the best part was, so I had friends who were watching that game on TV and they said that 
they could hear the roar of the crowd. So they knew something big was coming because obviously you have that slight delay. Yeah. And they could hear the crowd exploding and they would instantly all turn their heads and watch the game. That's crazy. I mean, it was. I didn't hear it from where I was watching it in East Lansing. Uh, my fun, fun story about that is when the second it landed, I didn't even wait for a flag. The second it landed, I did. You talked about the Cedar Village. Is I like I was watching with like a Michigan fan too, and he was he is like a high school friend. Didn't even say goodbye to us. Just left out of pure like yeah. <laughs> I jumped, yelled "f yeah" in his face, and just sprinted out the door. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'll kind of keep talking about that. So I had uh, so I had, I was I was there with two Michigan fans. Oh, we were in the stadium and. They brought their Michigan gear in. I, we kind of snuck them into the student section, and they're getting chirped by the rest of the fans the entire time. And they had no problem. I kind of told them, there. I was like, guys, look, you, they're like, we're going to wear our Michigan gear. I was like, go for that. Just be prepared to take every, just be prepared to hear every word in the English dictionary. And they're like, honestly, yeah. as long as someone doesn't throw a beer at me, I don't care. And I was like, I think you fair. can get away with it for Michigan, Michigan State, because there's, there's so many Michigan fans that end up going to the game. Um, the students oh, that. Yeah different breed but like there's so many people yeah. but yeah it's just in the student section was awesome and again I, I guess i'll maybe go as like the whole day like the pregame there was amazing i remember we woke up in my apartment at 5 30 made some scrambled eggs and drove over to uh to Duran street looking for a park uh for a parking spot because i obviously know you know the streets of east lansing are free to park it on the weekends and so we had to drive about like four or five minutes just before we found a spot for me to parallel park into. We walked back over into Duran Street where I think all you guys were. You guys were all still asleep. So I kind of walked in. And I was like, oh, lights are still off or lights are barely on. Everyone's still and they're kind of sleeping and tired. And we're like, we'll be right back. We went to our buddy, another buddy's apartment. They had already kind of got the shot skis out. They're playing music. This is 615. Just that day as a whole was incredible the just everything was amazing i mean obviously the end made it amazing and being there was great just that for me will that will probably stay the best game i've ever been to in person for a very long time i think it'll take a lot to top that just given the rivalry given the way the game played out you had you had the stakes as well you you're playing undefe- undefeated michigan state undefeated michigan you know it, it, it would have been seven years since we'd have, we'd had a rivalry game mean that much. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention for me, the 28 to three comeback by Brady. Uh, that was on my list, but got slowly dropped as I went through them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's go yeah. into fun. Let's end on a silly topic. Our list of the week is we're going to rank the days of the week, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, those days of the week, we're going to rank them. Um, oh boy, we want to we want to go from least favorite to favorite. Least favorite to favorite. I'm super passionate about my list too. Oh, so. that, that's good. This will be fun. All right, I'll, you know, should I start? Uh yes. Go ahead. All right, my least favorite day of the week is Tuesday. Okay, so so is mine. Yeah, I I just think Tuesday is one day that's like you don't even have like with Monday. You look at Monday, it's like oh, I don't like the fact that it's the start of the week. I have the whole thing in front of me. At least that's something to think about. You get the Tuesday, and Tuesday is like kind of like running the second lap of a mile. If you ever like, if you ever, like, right. if, if anyone ever like uh, rate or did track in high school, and you had if you were the mile runner, Tuesday is that second lap. 
It's not your first lap. It's not your lap before your last lap or your last lap. It's that thing that just, bleh. It's that thing when you realize, oh, crap, this is going to be a long week. Like, Monday, you're like, all right, I, I like, the way you look at it in an office is like I could I can relish my weekend to people in my office on Monday. That's that, that, that's the way it Tuesday looks. Tuesday is the day before Wednesday. You can start asking, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" Tuesday is that weird day where you can't talk about either. You no Tuesdays. And you're Tuesday not even close stop. to the end of the week. Yeah. All right, I, I like that start. Number six for you. Monday. Monday is my number six. Okay. Uh, I yeah, Mondays are just hard to wake. I'm gonna go into it. Mondays are hard to wake up for. They're they're just the hangover of the week. I think you know. I like that. It's not a bad that. way of putting it. I mean, so for my number six, I had Wednesday, and I will justify this later on when I get to my number five. But Wednesday to me again, it's I mean, it's hump day. You said you can talk a little bit about what plans are for the weekend, but it's still it's the middle of the week. Like you wake up and you're like, oh, I still have three days of work. So I, I went with Wednesday, number six. No, number five, I went Monday. And I solely put Monday ahead of Wednesday by myself because I, or for myself, because I get, I get to work from home on Mondays and work from home is, it's magical. That, that, that's kind of why I, I look at Monday in a slightly nicer way. My number five is Thursdays. Interesting. It's the pre-Friday, but it's not Friday. You wake up and go, oh, the week's almost over, but it's not Friday. So you think it's that kind of like sucker punch if you have something going for you and then you just get yeah. countered. But you get that, then you get the blow to the gut that says, no, yep. it's not time for the weekend yet. I like that. I mean, I, I can get behind that. I have, I, yep, oh, go on. Did you say your five? Oh, yeah, my five was Monday. Okay. So my four is Wednesdays. Uh, Wednesday is the getting over the hill. It's I'm on the other side of Monday and Tuesday, which are the worst days of the week. It's hump day. You get to say, hey, happy hump day. It <laughs> actually means anything. You could start talking about your weekend and you could start pl- really plotting and starting to discover about the weekend. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like when you get to if you're climbing a hill. You've reached you've, you've done the hard part of going up the hill Monday and Tuesday, the worst days of the week. Now you just look you're just looking down Wednesdays. You're at the top, just looking down at the rest of the week. I can I can see that. I mean. Yeah, so for my number four, I went with Thursday. Um, I, I think it's kind of like what you said. It's almost the end of the week. Um, for me, again, Thursday's a little bit nicer as well. I don't work every other Friday, so Thursdays become Fridays for me every other week, which is super nice. Um, I, don't, I don't really have much more to say about that. Um, number three? Fridays are my number three. Interesting. Uh, so you still have – the. So- I'll, I'll start by saying Sunday's my number two. Uh, the reason for the separation or the lower ranking for Friday is that you do have to go in and work. It's, it's still a work day. Really, the only fun in Friday is Friday evening when you're off, which is yeah. Friday evening is a, is a different vibe. It's one of the best feelings in the entire hey, Friday week. evening is Saturday. As a whole. But the day as a whole is like it's a weekday. Like you should be productive, but I'm not productive because I think it's the weekend. Yeah. I feel guilty about how I'm not like actually being productive. Yeah. For, I, I had, I had Sunday for number three as well. Um, or no, you had Friday. Uh, I, I had Sunday for number three. I had Friday for number two. Um, I just thought Sunday just basically is just relaxed day. Um, obviously in the fall you have football to watch and it's just one of those, especially now that like school's done and there's no more studying for tests or finishing homework. 
I'm actually kind of curious to see what my Sundays turn into of like, am I really just going to sit there in front of a TV for like 10 hours straight? That's what I did this past year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, again, Friday, I had num- Friday number two. It's the end of the week. Like you said, Friday nights, because that's still part of Friday. So that gives it a lot right. of, like, there, there's a lot of vibes there. That's usually when people are the most, I guess, willing to go out and do something fun, whether it be night out on the town, just a casual stay in night and maybe hot tub or go to the pool or play, have a bonfire. It's just, I, I guess, Friday number two. And then number one, I think objectively 99.9% of the population would say it's Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Uh, it's sandwiched between, it's the weekend day where you, it's a whole day and that you get the Friday night vibe on Saturday night too, because you don't have Sunday off while also getting to enjoy the whole day. Yeah. I mean, I looked at it in the sense Saturday just has so much like versatility to it. You can relax, you can vibe. People are still willing to go out because you don't work on Sundays. You have that blanket of, oh, there's still an extra day to like, whether it be procrastinate what I have to do or Saturday just has so much usage to it. You can do so much with a Saturday. So right. that, that was my number one. Love it. Yeah, week. yeah, that's, yeah, we, we did kind of want, we think that in this dead period, we might add, uh, we start adding a little bit of like, like you said, goofy list, something that doesn't need to be ranked. No one needs to care or know or even rank their days week, but we feel like that that's half the fun is doing something entertaining, maybe branching off from sports a little bit during this first segment during each week. And, you know, that, that, that was our segment. Maybe we'll do that a couple more times before football starts and then we'll see where we go from there. Right. Uh, so let's uh, say our sayonaras. Uh, so for those of you that have made it through the episode, uh, I'm going to share a secret with you. Secret is that Aaron, Aaron, you suck at golf. <laughs> we did get waxed. All right, everyone, have a good day. Yeah, no. Uh, once again, share with your friends. Uh, follow on Spotify. I think that's kind of taken over as our primary method of uh, distribution for everyone, just because it's so much easier to kind of listen to. So share this with your friends and follow on Spotify and, you know, stay, stay alert, hit them straight. And we will see you guys next Monday. Bye. Peace.